Welcome to the Climate Report on Forward Radio, WFMP 106.5 FM, Louisville. This is Hart Hagen, your host, and we are on episode number 223. Today's topic is Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, Part 24. The Climate Report is a daily radio show and podcast that asks the question, WTF, who's running the world, and who's controlling the world, and why do they want to ruin it for the rest of us? They also want to ruin it for their own children, apparently. And there's not an easy answer to that question. There's not an easy analysis of the problem or the solution. But the the solution is much more straightforward than we are led to believe because we have been depoliticized. We have been, you know, the the powers that be want us to be depoliticized. The powers that be want us to think that politics is a spectator sport and we're supposed to pick a team and cheer for the team and um, our team is good and the other team is bad. Meanwhile, they're not doing the will of the people. If democracy is defined to mean doing the will of the people, then we don't have a democracy. I know you were taught in school that we have a democracy. I was taught in school that we have a democracy, but in fact we don't because a democracy is something that does the will of the people. The will of the people want the government to address climate change and the government's not doing that. The will of the people says war is the last resort, but in our system, war is the first resort. The will of the people says do not bail out the banks that brought down the whole economy, but public policy is to bail out the banks. The will of the people is says, says remove uh, human growth hormone from milk or at least have labeling, but that's not policy. The will of the people says label genetically modified organisms in our food, but that's not policy. The will of the people says get rid of the prison industrial complex. The will of the people says stop mass incarceration. The will of the people says we don't want to imprison people for non-violent drug offenses, but that's not public policy. The will of the people says legalize marijuana, but that's not public policy at the federal level. So it's hard to name a major issue in which public policy is public policy reflects the will of the people. So, you know, if a democracy is where public policy bears some resemblance to the will of the people, then then we don't have a democracy. The Climate Report is a thorough examination of how to solve the problem of climate change. The Climate Report is also your definitive source for information and analysis related to the Green New Deal. And on the Climate Report, we question everything we've ever been taught about American politics, American history, American culture, uh, the American economy, the free enterprise system, the free market system, uh, American exceptionalism. We question everything we've ever been taught because mostly what we've been taught is a false story, a false narrative that is not designed to empower the people. It is only designed to empower the privileged people. The views expressed on this show are those of the speaker and no one else. If you have any comments, questions, or feedback, please email info at theclimatereport.net. So what we're doing is reading through Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, 
And part of a Green New Deal, of course, is transition to renewable energy. And part of that is a just transition for energy workers. We're not going to make this transition at the expense of oil workers. We're not going to make this transition at the expense of coal workers. We're not going to make this transition to renewable energy at the expense of those workers who might otherwise get jobs from the fracking industry or the petrochemical industry. Petrochemical is where you take petroleum and turn it into plastic. So we're not going to do this transition at the expense of those workers. So the last time we read this, let's start with paragraph B, require strong labor standards. So we're going to require strong labor standards. And it says here, all funding that flows from this plan should have the best labor standards attached. In other words, if government is paying for something, then government has the ability to say, here are the conditions under which I am willing to enter into a contract with you. And government contracts need to have strong labor standards. Continuing to read, that means that all projects completed with funding from the Green New Deal will have fair family-sustaining wages, in other words, living wages. It'll have local hiring preferences, project labor and community agreements, including buying clean American construction materials and paying workers a living wage to the greatest extent possible. So what does it mean by local hiring preferences? So I was talking to a friend of mine in West Virginia, Dustin White, at the Ohio Valley Environmental Coalition, who talks about uh, man towns or man camps. They bring in a bunch of men from out of town and they say these are going to be the workers that are going to do this project. Well, that's because they don't have local hiring preferences. Doesn't mean you have to get absolutely everybody locally, but if you're not getting most people locally, then you're probably not uh, abiding by the spirit of this principle that says we're going to have local hiring preferences. These man camps that are brought in by the petrochemical industry, man camps that are brought in by the coal mining industry, man camps that are brought in by the fracking industry, these are bad for the social fabric of a town because they come in and of course Wherever you have only men, you're going to have increased rates of prostitution. You're going to have increased rates of, of crime uh, because you're not dealing with, you, you know, you're kind of tearing at the social fabric. So that's one reason why we have local hiring preferences. It says here we're going to have project labor and community agreements. So the community and the, 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 the project is going to be done according to an agreement that involves the community members. In other words, we're not just going to listen to the stockholders, we're also going to listen to the stakeholders. Whenever a project moves into a community, you've got that, that project is going to impact the community. So in a real democracy, people would be able to vote on that which affects them. Too often in our 
so-called democracy, people are not allowed to vote on that which affects them. So this having a community agreement, a labor and community agreement, is one way of saying, look, the community in which this project operates is a stakeholder, and we're going to get their input, and we're going to do what we can to accommodate their desires and wishes. It says here that we're going to uh, that, that projects that are funded by the Green New Deal must have clean American construction materials. Imagine all the construction materials that we get from overseas and, or south of the border, north of the border. We have no way of knowing what is in those materials because anything that is not inside the United States is harder to monitor. Anything that is not inside the United States is harder to regulate. Anything that we import from outside the United States, it's harder to know if that product has been produced with fair labor standards affecting the workers that produced that product. Anything that is produced outside the United States, it's harder to know if it was manufactured in accordance with uh, decent environmental standards. So we're going to say we're going to have a preference for buying clean American-made materials. Some people say, oh, this is going to hurt jobs. No, it's not. It's going to hurt profits. It's going to hurt the profits of those companies that do not pay the true cost of what they sell. We need to hurt profits of companies that do not pay the true cost of what they sell. If something is manufactured in Mexico or Latin America or in China, then just because it's cheaper doesn't mean it's better. In fact, if it's cheaper, it's probably not as good for labor. It's probably not as good for the environment. If something is manufactured cheaper in Mexico, it might have been manufactured with virtual slave labor. If something is manufactured cheaper in China or Thailand or Vietnam, it may have been manufactured with cheaper, it may be cheaper because it was manufactured with slave labor. That needs to stop. So we're in the section of Bernie Sanders' Green New Deal, which is entitled Rebuild Our Economy and Ensure Justice for Frontline Communities and a Just Transition for Workers. And we're in a subsection of this that is dedicated to workers. And it says, as President Bernie will do the following things. We've been talking about ensuring a just transition for energy workers. And then we talked about requiring strong labor standards. And now we're, the next paragraph says, uh, as President Bernie will provide employers with tax credits to incentivize hiring transitioning employees. Now, I am not crazy about tax credits. Because sometimes it's hard to monitor those. Sometimes tax credits result in putting money into the hands of corporations without really good monitoring as to what they do with it. 
But this is, well, you know, so let's just go, let's see what it says and then go from there. We will provide employers with tax credits to incentivize hiring, transitioning employees. Uh, In order to ensure that workers who are displaced by this plan are able to find meaningful employment, we will provide the worker opportunity tax credits to employers who hire them. Okay, fine, whatever. Uh, Don't know how that works. I don't trust businesses and corporations to make proper use of tax credits, but it might in some instances be a fairly efficient way of uh, of implementing certain policies. So the, 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 in the best case scenario, what happens here is that if you hire somebody who was formerly in the oil industry, then you get a tax credit for that if you hire, and one thing this could do, even if it's a little bit inefficient, even if it's hard to monitor, one really, really good thing this could do is to provide, is to deprive the oil industry of workers. If you know you can immediately go to another industry, then, <laughs> then it's going to be hard. Then oil industry, the coal industry, the fracking industry are all of a sudden going to lose all of their, um, all of their experienced workers. And that is a good thing. We're talking about a rapid transition. We're talking about a just transition. We're talking about a transition that needs to occur within a few short years. So I can see this tax credit to incentivize the hiring of transitioning employees can be a very good thing. Item D, as president, Bernie will invest in workers and deindustrialized community economic development. So let's read on to see what this says. It's talking about deindustrialized communities. So, you know, deindustrialized communities include the Rust Belt, the communities of the Midwest, Michigan, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Indiana, no doubt Wisconsin, to some extent Wisconsin and and uh, West Virginia, but deindustrialized community that that used to be the the unionized, uh, the, you know, the the, the manufacturing uh, regions have been deindustrialized because Bill Clinton decided to give us NAFTA and uh, you know export all of our manufacturing to Mexico and China and every place else in the world. So these communities have been deindustrialized. So what are we going to do for the communities that have been deindustrialized? It says here where is that, that counties with more than 35 qualifying workers will be eligible for targeted economic development funding to ensure job creation in the same communities that will feel the impact of the transition most. Reading on, it says, Economic development funding will be distributed through an interagency effort spearheaded by the Department of Commerce Economic Development Administration. Funds will be allocated through the Appalachian Regional Commission, Economic Development Assistance Programs, and the Abandoned Mine Lands Fund. Other eligible projects include drinking water and wastewater infrastructure, broadband and electric grid infrastructure investments, 
These targeted investments are intended to supplement, not supplant, infrastructure and economic development funding throughout the rest of this plan. So one thing I see here that's interesting is the Abandoned Mines Land Fund. So abandoned mines are sometimes an ecological problem. Abandoned mines are you know, areas that could be uh, that could be reclaimed as forest land. So there's this whole thing. I'm trying to get at the idea of habitat restoration. So something that used to be a mine, if it were reclaimed, it might become agricultural land. It might become habitat for bees, butterflies, birds, small mammals, etc., so that might be the kind of project that is undertaken through the Abandoned Mines Land Fund. And yet again, a prevailing theme throughout the Green New Deal and a prevailing theme throughout the climate report is that private enterprise, if there is such a thing, private enterprise is not the only thing that can create good jobs. Private enterprise is not the only thing that can create jobs, is not the only thing that can do good things. So you have these programs that exist, the Department of Commerce, Economic Development Administration. You have the Appalachian Regional Commission. You have the Economic Development Assistance Programs. These programs exist but no doubt they are severely underfunded because it just wouldn't be good for people to get the idea that government is able to bring about a great deal of economic development, health, and well-being for people. It's just a dangerous idea from the standpoint of people who who want government to serve their purposes. So governments can serve the many or the money. Right now, government serves the money, not the many. The people who have the money don't want you and I to get this crazy idea that government can do things that are good for people. Let's go on to the next paragraph. We're going to be protecting the right of all workers to form a union without threat or intimidation from management. When management threatens or intimidates workers, either through violence or through threat of job loss, threat of being fired, that needs to be a crime. It needs to be a felony. There need to be serious penalties uh, that prevent um, there need to be serious penalties against employers providing any form of intimidation or threat or harassment against forming unions. Unions are a good thing. We've been taught that unions are a bad thing. Remember at the top of the show when we said we're going to question everything we've ever been taught about the American economy? American government, American history, American politics. One of the things we need to question is what we ever have been taught about unions. Unions are good. 
Unions protect the rights of workers. Unions need to be protected. One effect that unions can have, do have, and will have is to distribute the profits of a business more equitably. The profits of a business should not be extracted solely for the benefit of investors. Profits of a business need to be shared with the workers and the profits of a business need to go in part for the benefit of the community in which the business operates. That's why we need to give workers the right to form a union without the threat of intimidation or harassment or violence. It says here, currently, the clean energy economy jobs are not yet as densely unionized as fossil fuel and building trades jobs. So we need the clean energy economy to have jobs that are unionized. And it says, we plan to change that. Jobs created through this plan will, to the extent feasible, be good wage union jobs. In order to do that, we must protect the right of all workers to form a union and collectively bargain by passing Bernie's Workplace Democracy Plan. So when you hear workplace democracy, what you think is, yes, unions, but also WSDEs, Worker Self-Directed Enterprise. If you want to know more about worker self-directed enterprises, then look up Richard Wolff, W-O-L-F-F. He has a lot of good content on YouTube, and he has also written a book called Democracy at Work. He points out that, you know, we're, we're taught that we live in a democracy, but yet most of us, almost all of us, have to go to work every day and we check our rights at the door. Most of us work for businesses where the frontline worker has no say whatsoever about what goes on there, about how workers are treated, how the profits are uh, are, are distributed, whether you're going to locate in, you know, where the business is going to be located, whether uh, operations will be closed down in one place or opened up in another place. What, uh, you know, you have no say over any of that because workplaces are not democracies. They are autocracies. They are a hierarchical dictatorial system. So, we're going to, he's saying here that we're going to pass Bernie's Workplace Democracy Plan. Continuing to read, we will work with the trade union movement to establish a sectoral collective bargaining system that will work to set wages, benefits, and hours across entire industries, not just employer by employer. Unions not only ensure that workers receive fair pay and benefits, they fight to ensure that workers, first responders, and fence-line communities are safe and healthy. So I made a, look to, uh, made a note to look further into Bernie's Workplace Democracy Plan. 
So we'll you know delve more into that at the appropriate and opportune time. This brings us to paragraph 28 in uh, in my handy dandy numbered version of Bernie's uh, Green New Deal. So let's see what he has to say about economic development. As president, Bernie will provide targeted regional economic development. It says here, communities especially in need of assistance during our transition to a clean energy economy will be eligible for an additional funding for economic development investments through regional commissions and authorities. Our federal regional commissions make targeted economic development investments in rural America. These commissions have funded projects that enhance workforce competitiveness, build and repair infrastructure, and increase community capacity like broadband projects, clean drinking water, organic farming, and energy efficiency. So a theme that we keep coming back to here is that we are talking about a proactive government. We're talking about a government that has the best interest of its people in mind. And in order to get this, we're going to have to do a couple of things. One is we're going to have to kick the, well, for one thing, most people would be in favor of this. Uh, I'm tempted to say that, oh, the people of America uh, don't trust government, but the problem is the people of America are not given a choice in the matter. Yes, the people of America have been heavily propagandized, but it's not clear that they, have, that they believe the propaganda. Obviously, your Trump supporters believe the propaganda, but even then, if you look at Trump supporters and you really delve into what they really believe, a great many of them are democratic socialists. If you look at, at what they really believe about what the government should do, you know, a lot of the democratic establishment wants you to believe the people who don't know how to do anything but oppose Trump as if they really oppose Trump. They don't really oppose Trump. They're just uh, fake opposing Trump. But the Democratic establishment wants you to believe that Trump supporters are just racist. They're uh, hopeless beyond uh, redemption racist. Well, I mean, that serves their narrative. That, that narrative that Trump supporters are just hopelessly racist and irredeemable, well, it's not true for one thing. And, uh, you know, a great many Trump supporters are, will also be Bernie supporters if they have the chance. I'll prove it to you. Uh, take states like Ohio, Pennsylvania, uh, Michigan, the Rust Belt states. Some of these states voted for Bernie Sanders in the 2016 primary and then voted for Trump in the general election. So Hillary loses to Bernie in the primary and then loses to Trump in the general election in the Rust Belt states. How do you lose to Trump how do you lose to Bernie and then lose to Trump? It's because a, a, a significant portion of the voters in those states are willing to vote for Bernie and then vote for Trump. But the last thing they want is a, is a, a centrist uh, big bank warmonger in the form of Hillary Clinton. So how, do, how did I get off on that tangent? Well, we're talking about a government that is for the people and it is, it is a government that is proactive. It is a government that is willing to fund programs that actually help people. 
instead of a government only funding programs that help big banks and fossil fuel companies and agribusiness and insurance companies. So here are some of the things that are going to be uh, provided in the targeted regional economic development program that it's talking about here. But we're going to have to get to that next time. Uh, We'll pick up next time where we left off this time. I appreciate your time today. If you want to email me at info at theclimatereport.net, please do so with any questions, comments, or feedback. And uh, hope you have a great day. Thanks for joining me. Bye now.